The other day, I was watching the news trying to relax, and there was a story that came on about using confetti, yes, confetti, to de-stress. And I have to admit, it was pretty appealing. By the way, it's called The Confetti Project if you want to look up what the story was actually about. But guess what is the top thing that we stress about and why we apparently need all this confetti? Well, given that you are listening to this podcast, you guys know the answer. It is money. According to the American Psychological Association, money continues to be the top source of stress for Americans. And that's where financial wellness strategies comes in. Financial Wellness Strategies provides educational resources for companies' employees so that they can find the balance between financial wealth and mental health. Financial literacy is absolutely important, but we also need to go beyond academics and learn how all of this actually fits into our real lives and what we want to accomplish with our hard-earned money. Learn more about how you and your company can invest in peace of mind at financialwellnessstrategies.com. That's financialwellnessstrategies.com. Welcome, my friends, to the Wellness for Financial Grownups podcast. I am your host, Bobby Rebell, and so glad you are here with us for this unbelievable episode. And I do mean unbelievable because we are talking about the high cost of medical care and we'll be sharing some very specific ways we can control at least some of that cost. This week's quote on that note is from the NPR podcast, Life and Debt. Here we go. Quote, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau reported last year that there's around $88 billion of medical debt in collections and about 43 million Americans have medical debt on their credit card. Wow, right? Well, we're going to get into it as to why that happens to so, so many people. It always shocks me how messed up our healthcare system is and how much you are asked to pay and often overpay if you don't know what you are doing. I can pretty much guarantee the information that this week's guest is going to reveal will blow your mind and hopefully save you not just money, but really a lot of anxiety. So truly financial wellness in its most literal form for all of you, my friends. Our guest is a wealth of information. Dan Weissman is the host of the Arm and a Leg podcast, which is all about why healthcare costs so much and what we can maybe do about it. Well, I think there's a lot we can do about it. And Dan's going to tell us. Before launching an arm and a leg in 2018, Dan was a staff reporter for the public radio show Marketplace and for WBEZ in Chicago. You're going to want to take notes because there's so much amazing information here that we need to know, but you don't need to. You can get all of it right on my website, bobbyrebell.com, under the podcast tab where we have the show notes and the transcripts. So just sit back, listen, and learn. Here is my interview with Dan Weissman. Dan Weissman, you're a financial grown-up and host of the Arm and a Leg podcast. Welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks for assuming I'm a financial grown-up. I definitely do host this podcast, though. Well, not only is our healthcare system terrible for our financial health, it can also do so much damage to so many different areas of our life. We focus on financial wellness here at the podcast. Four in 10 adults with health insurance report carrying medical debt. I don't think people are really aware of how much our healthcare system 
is impacting our financial wellness. Can you talk a little bit about that, the systemic issues going on? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, it's certainly gotten worse in the last 15 years, despite the Affordable Care Act has did make some changes, I think, for the better for a lot of people, including for me in some ways. But the systemic problem is it's a giant system that really allows people to make a lot of money. Even entities that are organized as nonprofits kind of looking at their bottom line. So give us some examples of things that as consumers of healthcare, and healthcare is so frustrating because we usually go in, not always, but very often we go in, the biggest bills happen when we're in an urgent situation and not in a position to negotiate or even ask what things cost. I mean, can you imagine shopping for anything other than healthcare, having no idea what the price is and having really no choices about so many things that happen to you? So walk me through how this works and and what's really going on here? Because we thought with the ACA, we had different protections going on. Right. Well, what the ACA does and did for me was it means that you can't be uninsurable. Like I have a congenital heart defect and it doesn't affect my life too much, but I get checked up on once a year. But before the ACA, if I wasn't getting insurance from a job, I basically couldn't get health insurance, Mm -hmm. which was scary and horrible. And the ACA put a floor essentially under what health insurance means. It means there's a list of like 10 or so things that it has to cover, including well care visits once a year, um, coverage for mental health, all kinds of things. Those things didn't exist before. Like some state, your state might regulate insurance in a certain way, it might not. So the ACA put a floor under certain things. Great. But it didn't change the basic system, which is, it's a non-system. It's just a bunch of things that people and companies do and company, what companies do is they like to get the greatest financial advantage they possibly can. One of the biggest problems in some ways is that all the entities that we see and interact with, one way or the other, pharma companies, insurance companies, hospitals and providers, see themselves and are in battle with each other, right? If I'm a hospital or a doctor, I'm thinking about the insurance company is going to nickel and dime me over this. I got to be sure that like, for instance, if I'm doing a well care visit, I'm doing a preventative visit, they're going to pay me just a little bit for it. And I'm going to spend half an hour with this person and I'm not going to earn any money, right? How are we going to, how am I going to fix that? Well, okay, here's what I can do. I know if I ask, Hey, do you need your meds renewed? That was a separate service. That was a consultation. You know, did you ask me about some problem that we haven't talked about before? Oh, Now we've consulted on a brand new problem. And suddenly this well visit that's supposed to be free for me is now loaded up with these other charges, which Mm -hmm. now we're on another side. I have insurance. Well, okay, great. What does that insurance pay? And what does it not pay? Like, okay, hopefully I've gone someplace where they take my insurance and I've done that homework. But most of us, our insurance has what's called a deductible. Now we pay out of pocket before that insurance kicks in and pays anything. You know, in my case, it's like $750. And that's not very much. I mean, it's a lot to me. But when we were looking at insurance plans, it was like, you want that $750 deductible? Well, we're paying a lot in our kind of monthly premium for that, right? We pay every month. But to get a lower monthly premium, we would have like a $2,000 deductible, a $5,000 deductible. These things. So this is $5,000 you're paying out of pocket before your insurance does anything for you. This is your insurance company saying, right. oh man, these providers, are they're hitting us up for all this money. We got to make that up someplace. We can't pay out to providers more than we take in in premiums and we got to have a little profit for ourselves. So, you know, uh, gosh, 
this premium sounds like a lot to you. How about a lower premium with a $5,000 deductible? Well, that's, I happen to shop for insurance on my own like this. But if I'm running a company and I have employees, I'm also looking like, what am I paying every month to cover Dan and Bobby and their families and all the things? And the insurance company says, it's going to cost you 25% more to cover them this year. And be like, I can't afford that. They'll be like, well, how about this? They'll just have a higher deductible and maybe higher co-pays and higher what's called co-insurance, which is where if they actually need a big service, they pay a percentage. Like we as individuals get hit while these other entities are kind of edging each other, trying not to kind of go out of business. I want to get to some financial wellness strategies for the actual consumers, for our financial grownups that listen to this podcast. So you go to the doctor, you get the bill. What can you do? I'm going to assume you don't like the bill. (laughs) I don't like it at all. Well, one thing I'm going to do, I actually had this story of like having the well visit. This was last week. I saw my doctor and afterwards I was like, oh, I let her ask me about stuff. Mm." I admitted that I'd been feeling under the weather that week. Mm, That could be bad. So when that bill comes... I'm going to take a close look at it. If it doesn't have an itemized list of charges of every single thing, I'm going to call up and I'm going to say, I need what's called the super bill or an itemized bill with every single charge. And I want to make sure it has what's called the CPT code on it. And I was looking over, I was like, what does that stand for? It stands for current procedural terminology. And I'm going to look those up. What am I being charged for? Now, maybe I'm going to like it fine. Maybe it's going to be like, you had a well visit that's covered under the ACA and under your plan. You don't owe us anything. I'll be like, great. But if not, I'm going to look and I'm going to ask like, one, did that really happen? And two, if I dig deep enough, a listener just tipped me off to this. I can look up and basically you're Googling things here. Like what is the CTT code for this mean? And you want to go a little deeper and digging in, I can find out how much time is that supposed to take? Because that whole encounter was like Mm -hmm. 25 minutes. And if that bill is stacked up to show that we were there for an hour and a half, I'm going to have some things to say about that. I'm going to call the billing office. I'm going to call my insurance broker. We'll see where things go from there. Sometimes you call and, you know, someone's like, oh, yeah, I see what you're talking about. And they take care of it. Happens all Mm -hmm. the time. But sometimes you call and they're like, well, that's what happened. That's our charge. You're paying it. And then... This is why this is so horrible, right? Because it's like when something goes wrong with your computer and you don't really know. Like, is this Mm -hmm. a thing where if I Google a little bit and try a couple things and invest 10 minutes in it, I can fix it? Or is this this kind of thing where if like I Google and I try a couple things, I'm going to be here all day. And at the end of the day, I'm going to find out I need a new computer. You don't know. Right. But you do say, by the way, here's a a little tip. You do say, if you don't like the person you get on the other end of the phone line, call back, you may get somebody else. I want to move on to something called the No Surprises Act that happened last year. Tell us about that. Sure. The No Surprises Act was a response to something that was so horrible that Congress actually, a divided Congress actually had to do something about, decided to do something about it. And this was what's called a surprise out of network bills. Because obviously, like I'm anticipating possibility of a really unpleasant surprise for this medical encounter I had last week. And that happens all the time. This is a somewhat more limited situation where you go someplace where you've checked it out, they take your insurance, like, oh my gosh, I'm worried. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to go to the emergency room, for instance, or I need surgery. I'm going to go someplace where they're in network with my insurance. But then I get the bill and surprise, I'm getting a separate bill from a provider I saw from the ER doc 
or if there's surgery like from the radiologist or the anesthesiologist, they're not in my insurance network. They're in business for themselves. They don't work. They're not employed by the hospital and they don't take my insurance. And they're sending me a bill for whatever they want. And my insurance is like, well, that's out of network. Maybe we'll give them a few dollars depending. And if you've met your out of network deductible or whatever. And meanwhile, I'm on the hook for whatever they're charging me. That's a really unpleasant surprise. And that was entirely legal until recently. Uh, the law took effect at the beginning of 2022. And now the rule is you go someplace where it's in network for your insurance. Basically, if you happen to see somebody who doesn't take your insurance, your insurance company is just supposed to work it out with that provider and make it so that you're not paying any more than you would if they were in your insurance network and you're protected. Let's talk about medical debt. What rights do people have with medical? How do they deal with debt collectors? Put it that way. Right. What do you do if you get to the point where you're disputing it, you're not happy, but you now have medical debt, which a lot of people have. Tons of medical debt. What are your rights? Well, okay. What do you do? A couple things. Very, very important to know. One, and maybe the most important is last year, the credit reporting bureaus said, you know what? We are no longer recording medical debts under $500. That's no longer going to hit your credit. So one thing that's really important to know, and when you say medical debt, like, well, who do you owe it to or who's asking you for it? Is the hospital, the provider asking you for it? Have they hired a collection agency to go after you for it? Or they may have sold the debt to somebody else, to a third-party collection agency that's now after you for it. That's kind of important to know because if it's the hospital or the provider, you may be able to make a deal with them and say, hey, look. How about I give you half of this, make it go away? If it's someone that they've hired, that pe person may be constrained and they may say, I can only cut you a deal for 20%. If you're dealing with somebody who bought the debt, they may be like, look, I paid 10 cents on the dollar for this. Uh, if you give me 30 cents on the dollar, I'm coming out way ahead. I mean, they won't say this to you, but you can ask them depending on how to discount you want. So those are strategies. The fact that bills under $500, don't go on your credit report at all, is important because one medical encounter could yield a bunch of bills that could stack up to thousands of dollars, but they may be individual bills of less than $500. I'm not telling anybody just stiff people, but it does give you some leverage, especially if you're disputing something to say, look, there's a limited amount of damage you're going to do to me. I mean, we all have our strategies and how we deal with people. And I don't necessarily recommend, I don't think it's that effective or that nice to kind of give someone a stiff arm, but to know that you're in a position where there's a limited amount of damage they can do to you is important. Similarly, those credit reporting bureaus aren't listing medical debts of any kind for, I think, a year, which again means you have time because what you're really trying to prevent is your credit getting hurt or getting sued, getting mm -hmm. your wages garnished, that can happen. The th and those are scary and they do happen. Yeah. So the thing to know is you have time to kind of pursue this. Before we wrap up, I want to get your number one financial wellness strategy when it comes to healthcare and health insurance and dealing with the system that we have here in the United States for the average person who has the average amount of healthcare in a year, You know, not necessarily with a huge illness, let's hope. What can people do to not get themselves into these debacles? It's a super good question. Preventive financial wellness, let's call it. Right. Yeah. I think the first thing to do is to know how to shop for insurance and to understand insurance, understand what you're getting into. An insurance contract, I mean, you're getting insurance benefits. That is designed by as at least as big a team, probably bigger, of financial experts and legal experts 
as like as if you were buying a derivatives contract, right? It's the kind of financial instrument that most of us as individuals wouldn't be qualified to get on the other side of if we're like an investment deal. It's that complicated. There's a lot to know. So I would say, learn what you can. I have some resources. We have a newsletter called First Aid Kit. We did a kind of three-part series about understanding insurance because there's a lot of terminology, a lot of math to understand. And again, it's not made for us. It's made for the professionals. So there's a guy, he's in our newsletter and he's in our podcast. He made an incredible 30-minute video about understanding health insurance. It's hilarious and it's horrifying and it's accurate. And so if you prefer this in YouTube form, he's got you. There are other places to learn this, but like understand what you're getting into. How much are you likely to be on the hook for? If there's a deductible, what is it when there probably is? You know, what are your obligations? What's your insurance network? And if they tell you these are the doctors you can see, fact check it. Call anybody you're thinking you're going to see before you go. Hopefully, if you think you're going to see them this year, like as the year begins and say like, I'm going to read you what's on my insurance card. Tell me if you actually take my insurance. Don't tell me if you take Blue Cross because there's a million different little variations of Blue Cross. Do you take XYZ, Blue Cross, blah, blah, blah. And they'll tell you and then call them again before you actually show up. It changes all the time. And the list your insurance company gives you may not be accurate. Okay, Dan, so where can we catch up with you? I know you've got the newsletter, you've got the podcast. Give me all your socials. Thank you so much. The podcast is called An Arm and a Leg. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. You can find it also on our website, which is armandalegshow.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Arm and a Leg Show. That's us. And your newsletter. You can oh. get the newsletter through that, I assume. Yes. I need, I need this newsletter, Dan. Yes, I think you do. Yeah, it's armandalegshow.com slash first aid kit to sign up. Perfect. Thanks, Dan. Thank you so much. We all want to live our best financial grown-up lives. One way to do that is to know that the people that we care about are also in a good place when it comes to their money. That might mean our kids, our grandkids, and yes, even our friends. But how? I mean, it's kind of awkward. You see them struggling, pretending to know more than they do, or just making bad money decisions, but you don't know what to say. And even if you say something supportive, then what? That's why I wrote Launching Financial Grownups. In Launching Financial Grownups, I share the tools and strategies so you know what to say to take the pressure off and give those you love the confidence they need. It's all about giving those we care about the right amount of help at the right time so they can not only learn what they need to know about being financial grownups, but also be confident that they can do it and that you will be there to cheer them on. Pick up a copy of my book, Launching Financial Grownups. I promise you'll be so happy that you did. So much quality intel in that interview. Huge thanks to Dan. And I am now a dedicated listener to the Arm and a Leg podcast because it will save me. And I hope you, if you listen to it too, a lot of money and aggravation. And I just feel a lot smarter having heard Dan's advice. Extra credit assignment for all of you grown-up friends this week. Watch the PBS documentary, Critical Care America versus the World. It is about why the U.S. healthcare system is so much more expensive and yet somehow less effective than the rest of the world. 
We're going to leave a link in the show notes for you. While you're on the website, bobbyrebell.com, be sure to sign up for our free newsletter where we share more ways so we can all be financial grownups. And on that note, big thanks to Dan Weisman for helping us all be financial grownups and invest in peace of mind. Wellness for Financial Grownups is a production of BRK Media. Editing and production by Steve Stewart. Guest coordination, social media support, and show notes by Ali Bourbon. Artwork by Chelsea Perez. You can find the podcast show notes, which include links to resources mentioned on the show, as well as show transcripts by going to my website, bobbyrebell.com. To get even more out of this podcast, make sure you are also on our newsletter list to get more free content to live your best financial grown-up lives. There is a link in the show notes, but you can also sign up by going to bobbyrebell.com or financialwellnessstrategies.com and be a friend. Share the podcast with your friends and anyone you think might like it by taking a screenshot and sharing it on social media. Make sure to tag me on Instagram at bobbyrebell1. While you're there, follow me. If you DM me that you listen to the podcast, I will follow you back. You can also leave a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Reading each one means the world to me. And please support our merch shop, grownupgear.com, by picking up fun gifts for your grown-up friends and treating yourself as well. Finally, my grown-up friends, don't forget to invest in peace of mind. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>